three weeks. That's all that remains in this 2022 AFL season with plenty left to be determined. A dream clash tonight between Melbourne and Collingwood kicks off round 21 before we get into a trio of crucial games on Saturday evening with Dogs and Frio, the Cats and the Saints, and then Sunday the Tigers are looking to keep their fairy tale alive against Port in Adelaide. Now we turn our eyes uh, to the Gabba for a massive showdown between the Lions and the Blues as both sides look to bounce back and, again, impress their respective mm. audiences. The funnel's picture is far from set, despite what Joey Montana might say on first crack. And with me to help out what to look out for this week, as well as take apart the headlines and the form lines, is the Footy Live's resident expert and uh, quiet Hawks fan because, really... Their season's done now. They're getting ready for the draft. They're getting ready for trade season. It is. It's yeah. a, Nick Glimenio, how's your week in footy been, mate? Yeah, very good. Uh, a lot of news this week, obviously circling uh, Lance Buddy Franklin and where he's going to play next season and obviously finals around the corner and still all to play for for a number of teams. So um, it's just a really exciting time of the season and this week is going to tell us a lot, I think, starting with tonight. Um, looking forward, yeah, looking forward to it, obviously, and um, it's. I think it's going to be. Uh, it could be a preview into week one of the finals. It very much could be. So let's get straight to it. This week's must-watch game, Friday Night Footy at its best. The storyline: one-trick mm-hmm. ponies. Ed Langdon yep. finally put it on record. What everyone was been thinking: ten <laughs> wins in a row, record wins by under a certain margin. Everyone's yep. saying it can't be real. It can't be real. They can't be, you know, preliminary finals integrity. There's nothing there for Collingwood. He basically just said it's all duck, no dinner. They like to play mm. fast footy. When you can prevent them from playing fast footy, then you know we can. You can work them out. You can yep. beat them. And then everyone lost their respective brains because a footballer said something that was true and honest and not spin and not just like, oh, we'll try our best on the day. And so uh, Ed Lane has put it on the table there. And how do you think the pies will respond? Will they get all argy-bargy, angry, let's play slow footy because Ed Lane doesn't think we can? Or uh, will they just try and play their fast footy, ride their coattails and try and upset the uh, running Premier's Melbourne? Yeah, well, why not? I mean, it's it's won them... Ten games in a row, and I don't think I don't think Collingwood, uh, the players or the club, will be too angry by their comments. I think they'll, you know, probably accept it and say, "Yeah, you know, we do this and we do it very well, and it's served us pretty well this season. It's got us into finals. It will probably win us a final. So stop us if you can, because the last ten teams couldn't, and one of those ten teams was Melbourne, and Melbourne, frankly, haven't beaten uh, Collingwood." Uh, well, they don't beat them very often, I think. Uh, what's the record? Six out of the last seven games between the two sides have gone in the Pies' favour. Um, and, yeah, uh, you have to say Collingwood are the more informed team, obviously, with the 10 wins in a row. Um, D's in that time of 5-5. Five and five. So, um, yeah, I mean, the numbers are really pointing towards Collingwood's way, but... Yeah, the Ed Langdon comments, I, I, I'm a fan of it. Like, it just adds to the show, um, adds to the, the drama of the season and Friday night footy. So, um, obviously, Melbourne will be looking to shut down um, the Pies, similar to what they did with uh, Fremantle last week. They really limited their scoring and their um, their inside 50s. So, um, they'll look to do that again tonight and... Uh, for me, I still think, you know, when Melbourne are playing their best, 
Um, they are probably the, the best team in the competition. So they have to win tonight. Um, and if they don't, it really puts them in the mix, uh, in that top four battle mix uh, with Sydney and uh, obviously Collingwood and uh, Brisbane. I think it puts them on level points with uh, Brisbane and Sydney. So um, that will really make for an interesting last fortnight of the season. Yes, absolutely. And I think there's two areas here that Melbourne can have the upper hand. Yes, the history is against them. Clearly not a great matchup for them. But if they can play like they did last week, dominate those clearances and score from clearances, which they did against against mm. Frio. And I think, you know, in terms of depth, probably Frio's midfield is arguably as strong, if not stronger, than Collingwood's. And so that's good form running in for Melbourne. And just to get that intercept game back, because if Collingwood playing their running gun chaos football allows Melbourne to, to mop up at the back and then, and then rebound, and that's the way they like to play their football as well. And that's, that's, that's their key strength. You know, yeah. ironically, defensively in the last four weeks, Collingwood's actually been better at defending inside 50s than, than Melbourne has. So mm. that's the... Uh, that's the stark contrast. And if you look at the form lines, yeah, Collingwood is, is, has been a lot better than Melbourne in the last month, except for that contested possession. So Melbourne needs yeah. to dominate the middle and Melbourne needs to, um, needs to rebound from, from defence. They need to play that tempo-style football, take the pace out of it, make it a more skill-based as opposed to a chaos-based game, and then yeah. they should be able to uh, contain Collingwood. But as uh, you said there, six of the last seven have gone in Collingwood's favour. So obviously a bit of a bogey side. But the question mm. on everyone's lips is going to be brought to you by our dear friend, our number one super fan, Dario, with his digest. Welcome to another episode of Dario's Digest, giving you something to digest every single week. Simple yes or no answer. Is Collingwood's 10-run ruining streak about to end? So you know who wants to know the answer to one question, Nick, and that is, does the win streak continue tonight? Yes or no? I just think there's so much on the line here for Melbourne and not so much Collingwood. Uh, they've already secured finals and, yeah, Mel- the Ds just have more to play for. So I can't see them losing. I can't see them falling behind Collingwood on the ladder. That would just be remarkable. It would just blow the season wide open. Um, so, yes, I think the streak will end tonight and, yeah, Ds will get the chocolates. I think so too, but I think it's going to be a lot closer early doors than what we think, especially mm-hmm. just given the fact that, you know, there's rumours of 84,000 plus and the Pies army coming out. And it could be one of those weird games where just the big juggernaut that is the fan base of Collingwood gets them across the line. Yeah. But if you take away, they're the intangibles. And sometimes, you know, everyone as a Richmond fan remembers that prelim final where Mason Cox just tears the game <laughs> apart. Sometimes the intangibles win new games of football. But on paper, if Melbourne's back to their best, last week suggested against Fremantle, uh, then they should be too good for the pies because I don't trust it. It's 10 points average over 10 weeks. That suggests that you got lucky a fair few times. It's the exact opposite of Port Adelaide, who we'll get yeah. to in a moment. Sometimes your luck will have to run out, and it usually runs yeah. out against the best side. So I'm tipping Melbourne. The streak ends here. Uh, <laughs> take nothing away from the pies. They've been very good. Luck. You make your own luck in sport, as they say, and they've made plenty of it for themselves. Sides that haven't made their own luck is these two sides. The Bulldogs and Fremantle is our next must-watch game, and it's who's going to save a failing season is my storyline from this. So obviously David Mundy's announced his retirement, and mm. Justin Longmere comes out and says, we've got to do it for Mundy now. We've got to make sure we send Mundy off. Well, he's basically said, let's send him off with a flag, which based <laughs> on the last month's form is going to be a very impressive turnaround if they can do that because 
Yeah. The points have dried up. It's always been built on defense. It's why I loved them. It's why I jumped on the bandwagon. But if you don't feel the fire with points, the train doesn't go anywhere. The bandwagon doesn't move, and the bandwagon's come to a massive halt. But the same can be said for the doggies, who have just been... They're, they're now stuck in the edge of that eight, trying to confirm their spot in finals and uh, getting found out by sides. And both of these coaches are looking to their changer and just being like, are we on board here, guys? Are you listening to what mm. I'm saying? Are we going to try and play the football that we want to play, or are we going to waste another season you know, being on the edge of, of something great. So what's your read on this game and who can turn their season around with three weeks to go? Yeah, well summed up there, Gordo. I think, um, yeah, there's obviously a lot on the line here for the Bulldogs. They, uh, again, they can't afford to lose. Um, I think they've got GWS and Hawthorne in their last two weeks. So this is their last tricky game to get past. Um, and then they can finish off with, you know, a nice run of wins and a spot in the top eight. But, yeah, they can't afford to lose this game. And um, I've liked the way they've played over the last few weeks, despite, you know, last week's second half in Geelong. Um, but their midfield is going to be a real strength here because last week, um, Fremantle against the Ds, uh, I really feel like they struggled in that area and that's been a strength for them um, over the last few weeks. You know, they, the, the individuals they've got in the midfield and um, the way they win contested possessions and clearances and get the ball from one end of the ground to the other, uh, they really struggled with that slingshot footy. Um, and I think they will about minus 20 or something like that um, against the Ds for inside 50s. So um, Frio need to win that midfield battle. They need to get back to what they do the best. And it's going to be a massive task against, you know, a Bulldogs midfield who love playing at Marvel Stadium under the roof. Um, it's, yeah, they, they tend to get their game going when they play at home. And I think it'll be a very tough task for Frio. I'm actually backing in the Dogs in this one. Yeah, it's it's a hard read here because the matchups seem a bit interesting when it comes to the statistical breakdowns of these two sides. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the overall arching issue for the Dockers is they've run out of points. They're only averaging fifty two points per game. That's ranked second last in the competition. You can't really tip anyone with confidence on that. Yeah. And their style has kind of completely changed. So, first eight rounds they were ranked number one for time and forward half. Now they're ranked fifteenth. They just got no go forward, and that's why their points are drying up. Yeah. That being said, they love to score off the intercept. They're a defensive-based team. They're a lot like Melbourne in that way they score in their scoring chains. And the Dogs have conceded 61 points per game from intercepts, which is worse mm-hmm. than the competition. So the Dogs will give you the football, and if you can score against that, against the flow, yeah. then you're away. The overarching problem, though, is that uh, the Dogs love playing at Marvel. 101 points is their average, and... 101 points versus 54, that's a pretty big dog's win. So yeah. I think for mine, the dogs are going to have the home ground advantage here. And sadly, I think the Purple Haze has run out of gas. The bandwagon's wheels have fallen off. And uh, they'll, be playing, they'll be playing finals, but uh, yet again, I'm, I cannot c- c- proclaim on this podcast that uh, you know it's going to be a told-you-so victory for Fremantle because I think their time is just about done. But um, alas, you know. They're improving each year, so there's, there's at least that. that. Exactly, yeah. Speaking of Please Explain, St Kilda has been full of them this week. So Brett Ratton came out and said, mm-hmm. we deserve respect despite, you know, not playing our best. And then all of a sudden there's talks about, you know, Jordan Degoe might be on the Saints' radar and then he gets a Please Explain from his board saying, why are we going after JD, uh, JDG? 
Please explain that, Rats. So, obviously, no respect from his board or the media. But uh, can the Saints gain respect against the Cats at Cardinia? Uh, somewhere where I don't think they've won since 1999. Yeah, yeah. Uh, short answer is a big fat no. Because, I mean, look, the, the criticism going St. Kilda's way is warranted, I think. I, th- I thought they were average against Hawthorne last week. The, the first half, when they actually got on top of the scoreboard, it, it was... It was scrappy football. Everyone watching, the supporters, the neutrals, all said it was scrappy football. And then they died off completely, uh, particularly in the last quarter after that. So um, I don't think they're playing their best. And you're going um, up against Geelong, in Geelong. Uh, It's the hardest task in footy at the moment. The Cats are red hot. They don't look like losing a game. Um, Even when it looks like they might be off, like last week against the Bulldogs in the first quarter, they just bounce right back and just blow you away completely. And um, that is solely because of just the way they're set up behind the ball. Their their defense is immense. It's, uh, I'd say, like on form, probably the best in the competition. Um, And they just control territory so well, especially um, at the Cattery and... I really don't see how St Kilda can win this. Um, for, I think Geelong's weakness, their one weakness, and the way that you can beat them is by putting them um, under pressure, uh, tackling, keeping the ball on the ground, um, making sure their tall players don't mark it. We know how many interceptors they have um, in defence and across the ground. Tom Stewart's back in there. Um, so there's going to be a real onus uh, for St Kilda if they want to win this on the likes of uh, Max King, Tim Membry, uh, Marshall. They, they, those sort of guys just need to compete at the contests, take grabs, um, and ultimately kick straight because King last week, two goals, five under the roof. Uh, I think he kicked one out on the full as well. And he just goes in those dips of forms where uh, he just does not bring his shooting boots as, uh, um, at all. So, um, But on the other hand, Marshall... Uh, was very good with 30 possessions and 35 hitouts. So I, I'm looking to St Kilda's tall players to give them a chance in the air and bring the ball to ground level and put the Cats under some pressure. Yeah, and that's basically what they need to do is they need to come out, you know, St Kilda's outfit, like it or not, is quite good at contested possessions and that midfield game and that at the at the coalface game where they they can come in and, you know, figuratively punch the Geelong in, in the mouth early, then maybe they're a chance of upsetting them at home. But reality is that Geelong just camps in people's forward half. So they've won the inside 50 count by 12 per game since round 10. That's the best in the competition. They've won the forward half differential by seven minutes per game. That's the best in the competition. They just live there. And then they outscore everyone at GMHBA Stadium, 30 points or more, but from intercept possessions because they just know how to play that ground. As much as everyone complains about it, they do play that ground so well. It is yeah. one of the biggest advantages in the AFL. And, uh, yes, St Kilda are obviously going to struggle against that. And, um, yeah, against top eight sides, the last stat for this game for mine is uh, they're averaging 68 points, so it's ranked 15th um, against top eight sides. So they struggle against the real quality sides, and that is why the media is not giving Rats much respect because this side was built, and when they have rumours about going after Jordan Goey, continued to be built to win a flag in the next, you know, two to three years. Mm. And they're a long way off competing against top eight sides, let alone beating them, getting themselves into the top four and taking themselves deep into finals. Yep. So the line here, 33 and a half points, that's a lot of points. But, you know, a six-goal win to the Cats against the Saints 
wouldn't be out of the ordinary, I think, uh, given their form down at Cadinia Park. Yeah. On the flip side, the Tigers are down a dream, Nicky G. The yes. Tigers are down a dream. And there is no worse team for a dreaming Tiger to play against than Port Adelaide. In Adelaide. In Adelaide. Yeah. When basically the season is on the line. You could, for all intents and purposes, call this an elimination final. Yeah. Uh, now, the question to you is, uh, if you win the toss, which way do you kick? Um, I can't answer that one. Why? Where's this going? <laughs> this is going to the infamous game where uh, Trent Cochin kicks, uh, I think he kicks oh, the that's right. in the of first course. quarter against Port Adelaide in the elimination final and gets absolutely yep. spanked. Um, yes, old old memories, Daryl. Do die hard <laughs> even though you've won you know three premierships in the last five years. But uh, they're going back to the coalface here, a beaten up Tigers side trying to relive their former glory they're going to be without Grimes. There's a question mark over Dustin Martin. But the new people on the block, Tom Lynch, Shy Bolton, and Noah Cumberland, are, are rejuvenating this squad. Um, but Port, all they can play for now is pride. Yeah. They certainly did that against the Pies last week. Can they go one step further and uh, eliminate the Tigers from the finals race? Yeah, well, I think that's it for Port Adelaide. You know, they've got nothing to play for at the moment. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, how they come out. Um, they could have just, you know, after last week, getting close to Collingwood, where I don't think they put much, they did much wrong. Um, they won a lot of the key stats in that game, um, but just fell short in the end. Um, what? How do they come out this week? Are they going to put the queue in the rack, their season's done, or are they going to play for pride? Are they going to finish this season off strongly for, for Hinkley? Uh, obviously, his job's going to be under the microscope over the off-season, um, possibly into next year. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Port come out. And for Richmond, I mean, it, it's a simple one. Play like you did in the second half, but not as you did in the first half last week against Brisbane. Um, and a win uh, will most likely put them in the top eight with, um, obviously, St Kilda playing Geelong. Um, yeah, and the, the Tigers, yeah, just hunt that footy. Um, like they did last week after half time, they just controlled and suffocated, uh, the Lions. And yeah, they, they have to do this, that again this week. They just need to hunt the footy. We'll be back after a quick break. Basically, and the interesting matchup here between the two is that Port Adelaide have always been a side that Richmond struggle against because they play a style of football that Richmond struggles against. So mm-hmm. all year, Port have been one of the best possession teams in the competition. And the last month, they've been ranked second for contested possessions and uncontested possessions. Richmond's always been, you know, 15th to 13th in those, in those ranks. But what has been different this year about Richmond is their pressure factor. So they're ranked 16th for pressure factor after the ball leaves the clearance. 
Mm. Um, and they rely basically on intercept possessions to, to rebound, to move the ball forward, to score from. So if Port Adelaide can clean up their possession, play it basically like they did against uh, Collingwood for patches last week, they'll go a long way to, to really challenging the Tigers on the weekend and mm. forcing them to try and win their own ball, forcing them to try and apply pressure around the contest to prevent that possession game happening for Port Adelaide. And so, yeah, yeah if Port Adelaide can take away the intercepts, they really take away Richmond's only way of scoring and then this becomes a very different game. Because um, I don't think this Richmond side has what it takes to match teams yeah. in contested possessions and at clearances. So, And they've, uh, they've, it, they've lost the key factor as well in Dylan Grimes, who won't be there. Um this week, and I think until unless Richmond make the prelim, he's pretty much done for the season, which is a massive loss, like you said, to that intercept game. Yeah. So what's your tip here? Does the Richmond dream continue on, or are you predicting another port power surge to bring mm. some tears to Richmond fans' hearts? Yeah, it, it's a hard one to predict because we don't know how each te- like which side of each team is going to come out to play, but... I think with Richmond playing for a little bit more or playing for a lot more, really, uh, I think they um, think they'll get the win. There you go. I'm not confident at all. And I think Richmond's form has been choppy at best. As I said to you on the Monday podcast, I'd already sent the text message saying, let's give Dimmer his, his farewell dues at the end of the year. <laughs> um, it's been a good comeback. It's saved the Richmond season. It's saved us from finishing, you know, 13th, 14th and being a real dire situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, things haven't gone at Richmond's way this year, but I think they, they run out of steam, and I think Port Adelaide has our measure, their measure, Richmond's measure, uh, <laughs> this weekend. And then finally, speaking of th- things coming off the rails, Ooh. two hype trains are slowly coming off the rails this year, and that's Brisbane and Carlton. It was meant to be Brisbane's year, and it's so much has this hype train come off the rails. They lost the unlosable game last week, basically. They almost broke the MCG hoodoo. Instead, Richmond came and kept their final season alive. And uh, now there's whispers. There's whispers in the air that, you know, maybe the Lions looking for Alistair Clarkson to come in and solve this problem because Chris mm. Fagan can't. Mm. One of the most ridiculous football rumours I've ever heard, but uh, yeah. it's definitely there. And meanwhile, Carlton are looking to their dark days for inspiration to get them out of a form slump that might see them miss the eight if they go zero and three in the next mm. three weeks. And it's not an easy three because they've got Brisbane this week, they've got Melbourne the week after, yeah. and they've got Collingwood looking to solidify a top four spot in the last round of the year. Uh, can either of these two teams... No, fix their decline. Um, and in particular, can the Blues get a massive coup and win up at the Gabba? Yeah, well, one team will um, after this weekend anyway. And it's looking more likely that it's Brisbane because they've been absolutely slammed in the media all week about their capitulation last week, their defensive structure, um, and just how you, their vulnerabilities in midfield. Once you get a grip hold of the likes of Lockie Neal and McCluggage, you win the ball out of the middle and you put their defence under a bit of pressure and, uh, well, we saw what, what could happen um, in that game against the Tigers. But I think they'll come out and they'll want to amend a lot of those issues. Uh, they'll want to make a statement. And as for Carlton, they're just looking very, very shaky. And, again, they're another team that's copped it in the media a bit this week after that shock loss against the Crows um, last week in Adelaide. Um and yeah, like you said, another loss will just heave the pressure uh, onto the Blues for their last two games against Melbourne, which I just don't see them winning at all. And it sets up, you know, a blockbuster round 23 clash against Collingwood. So um, 
I'm tipping the the lines in this one. I expect them to uh to again amend uh, some of those defensive and midfield issues. But for for Carlton, if they do want to get on top, they know what they have to do, and they've been doing it. Their best footy this season, uh, I think, will be enough if they can rediscover it this week. And that's just to you know win the midfield battle, uh, win contested possessions, and most importantly, uh, win contested marks. So get the ball into Obviously, their twin towers in Mackay and Kerno. They were very, very quiet last week. Uh, Kerno just the eight touches, Mackay just the seven and one goal. So they just need to get their forwards involved in bit, a bit more, and the midfielders just need to get to work. And but it, it, it's a it's a massive task to go over and beat the Lions at the Gabba. A massive, massive task indeed. And on the back of last last week's performance, it's hard to see where they can find that much improvement. Mm. So. They committed 89 turnovers against Adelaide last week, which is the second most of any side in any match this mm. year. And if they do that to Brisbane, then then it's basically lights out. Yeah. And even furthermore is that they recorded 23 missed tackles as well. So they committed the two cardinal sins. They gave the opposition free footy, and they didn't apply enough pressure and make it make it stick when it comes to you know yeah pressure around the football and tackling efficiency. Um, but above and above, above all that is that Carlton, since 2017, have only won 12 of 40 games interstate. So they mm-hmm. have a 30% win record interstate, and it's the equal second worst of any team in the competition. And that's been, you know, as they've built this, this competition up, they've, they've found that form. That means they can't travel that well this year, and uh, we know how hard it is to beat Brisbane any day of the week, let alone mm-hmm. at home at the Gabba. So I'm with you, and I'll be tipping the Lions as well. Yeah. Speaking of things that are very difficult, we're coming into the pointy end of the Supercoach season. A lot of teams are in disarray, plenty of injuries, plenty of people have just plain old given up, and I must confess, I'm probably one of them. But for those who are still playing and in a chance of a Supercoach Premiership, what is your essential moves and purchases this week, Nikki G? Yeah, I mean, if you still have a trade left, which I think uh, 90% of teams probably don't, um, I'd be looking to Connor Rosie if you're looking to complete your team or fill one of the uh, holes caused by injury or suspension. Um, Connor Rosie obviously can play that midfield forward. You can swing him around, and he's just been incredibly in form over the last few weeks. Um, started the year off slowly, but he's really come of age since getting that midfield switch. Uh, five of his last seven scores have come uh, by over 100 points. Um, and three of them have been over 110, and then he's had that one game that was over 150. It's going to cost you a fair bit at 564, but look, if you it's finals time now in uh, in Supercoach, and it's the last few weeks to try and get as high up in the rankings as well. Uh, so I'd be looking to bring in the informed man, Connor Rosie. There we go. Speaking of being in form, our Put Your House on a Picks are firing up towards the important end of the footy season. Each week we give you a couple of things to keep into consideration to build out that portfolio uh, via, of course, gambling responsibly. And what do you have for us this week in terms of a pick and a prop, Nicky G? Well, my prop this week, I always like going the Friday night game. Um, so for tonight, for the big clash at the MCG, I am tipping... Uh, the game to go under the total points line of 154.5. Like we mentioned earlier, Ed Langdon has come out and said that Collingwood are one-trick ponies and they're going to try and nullify the pies, pretty much similar to what they did to Fremantle last week. So I can see it going under uh, the points line and I think seven 
of the last eight, nine matches at the MCG have also gone under. So um, if you're into your history and your trends, uh, that's one to go for for tonight. And my pick, Gordo, a game that we haven't spoken about this week. I'm tipping the Eagles to beat the Crows in the last match of the round. They're at $1.95. And uh, it's Josh Kennedy's last game. So I think... They're just going to get up for him. And um, the West Coast have also been a very high-scoring side over the last few weeks. They almost got the win against the Suns last week, but um, I think they can do it this week against the Crows at home. There we go. And surely, you know, a couple of dollars on JK to kick a bag of three or more would be uh, very enticing there as he gives a yeah. farewell and fairy tale ending uh, to his career that obviously ended with a premiership, one that he probably wouldn't have got if he had to suck around at the Blues. So maybe that trade was the best of both worlds for everyone. Uh, speaking of the Blues, they feature in my two pick and props. I'm doing two of them combined. Obviously, our friends at Sportsbet have a same-game multi-combo promo thing where if you're only one leg losers, you get your money back. So have a play around with that. My first one is only two legs, though, um, and that is Brisbane to win the second half and to cover... The 17 and a half that's paying $3.50. And it's because of a simple fact that Carlton are fading out in games. They're ranked 12th in Q3 performances, 14th in Q4 performances. Brisbane are ranked third in both of those. And the Blues are averaging 38 points in second halves this year, which is ranked 15th in the competition. The Lions are the highest scoring second half team with an average of 54. So uh, needing needing to make up 22, 25 points a game there, Carlton, uh, which they definitely won't do. Brisbane, the four-goal better side in the second half, so watch them run away with that game and cover it with ease. And then uh, this is the fairy tale ending prop pick bet for mine. I've got Richmond to lead at halftime, but Port Adelaide to win. So Richmond, despite sitting sixth, have won 47 quarters this year. Only three teams, Geelong with 50, Melbourne with 50, and Sydney with 48 have won more. But they finished ninth because the clutch is gone. Yeah. They can't finish off games. They've lost control. They've lost the aura. And on top of that, Richmond have failed to cover the line in five of their last six matches, which just shows that they're, you know, as much as we think they should be better than what they are, this mm. year they're just playing not. So what 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 is more Richmondy than having, you know, the halftime lead and then letting it slip? And with that, letting finals slip as well. So that's my tip. <laughs> Richmond to lead at halftime, Port Adelaide to take the win and to squash the hopes and dreams of Richmond fans. It's a somber way to end the podcast, Nicky G, but sometimes... There's no more somber thing in the world than football. Uh, And on that note, enjoy the weekend, enjoy all the storylines, and we'll be here on Monday to break it down, analyse the game's action, and give you uh, some analysis as we run into the 2022 final series. Until then, enjoy your football.